Hi everybody, this is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, I'm joined by world-renowned expert on performance, Steve Magnus, in the second installment of our series on mental toughness. In this episode, we discuss the steps to build toughness, and I'm telling you right now, it's probably not what you think. Steve explains the value of developing interoception, the role your environment plays in risk-adverse behavior, and why Navy SEAL training is not relevant for developing toughness for most athletes and regular folks like you and me. Buckle up, because this is going to hit hard. So now, it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Steve, in the last episode, we talked about what toughness really is. Now, I'd like you to kind of go into how do we build this skill, this ability for yeah. ourselves? So I think the the most important thing is we have to get comfortable with our inner world. Because if you look at the things that maybe we need toughness on, they often follow a sequence, right? We feel some sort of discomfort, anxiety, that feeling kind of grows. And then our inner dialogue often goes towards like doubt, negatives, insecurity, like, can I do this? Can I do this? And then we have this urge to act, which is often an urge to escape in tough situations where we're not sure or familiar with. And what we want to do is turn that from urge to escape to taking that wise, thoughtful action. So how do we develop toughness? It's, it's you know, simple but complex. First, it means like understanding your inner world in terms of the emotions and experiences you have. It's not avoiding them, but learning to speak their language because there's all sorts of interesting research from athletes to actually uh, stockbrokers where the better what researchers or psychologists call interoception, which is your ability to read your inner signals, the mm. more um, resilience we tend to have. So how do you develop that? It's pretty simple. You just spend time in those moments and sitting with and understanding that that emotion. And then like doing things like labeling it, naming it, uh, diversifying your understanding of it. And the example, I, I'll give two examples really quickly. The first one is any athlete knows early on, you have to learn the difference between pain that means fatigue and pain that means injury. And there's nuance there. I think this is the first right. thing I was taught but in junior high. Nu- Keep going. You're, yeah, you got to get the talk. And you have to. Why do you get the talk? Because often kids aren't equipped with that. And if you talk to you know elementary school teachers, for example, you ask them, well, why do kids throw tantrums in classrooms? Well, often it's because they're, they have this, this event, maybe out on the playground, they get you know, don't get selected for kickball. They don't know how to understand the emotional barrage that they're feeling. And they all describe it the same way. They say, I'm sad. Well, what does sadness mean? Are you uh, embarrassed? Are you frustrated? Do you, you know, whatever, you feel alone, neglected, what have you. There's nuance there, but they don't have that nuance to break it apart. So they can't deal with it as well as adults who hopefully have that at understanding. So the first step is how do we get tougher? We've got to spend time like understanding our inner world. I love that. This subject of interoception has come up 
I don't know, three or four times in the past month in different contexts. And I don't even know if you've thought about this yet, but there's a loop now that with my company, AIM7, and I know some other companies are doing this well, of linking their wearable data to their interoception. It's a way that you can close this loop on like, I feel this way, now here's the data to show it to me, and now you kind of speed up this process. Because ultimately, that's where we want to get to is like you can wake up in the morning and you're so calibrated to how your body is that you could then look at objective data and be like, yep, that's where I'm at. That's why biofeedback is so critical. Um, like we probably, I don't know if you ever used it when you were in sport, but helping somebody self-regulate and now they can feel something. You show them maybe a first time I was exposed to this was Dr. Gershon Tenenbaum. Uh, and he showed one of our athletes like a hype up video and he had some breathing and some other things. He's like showing them how they were getting excited. And then he was like, look, this is your response to this uh, visual stimulus. Now let's try to bring it down while you're watching the video. So um, I, it's just a beautiful concept. I, I am anticipating that you're going to see more technology. I, I think you're spot on. And I think this is one place where technology can really help us because you're right. Part of toughness is essentially feeling those experiences and then deciding, hey, do I want to listen to this? Do I want to turn the volume up? Do I want to turn the volume down? And then being able to. And that biofeedback, especially is is a wonderful way to do that because it as you said it closes that loop and the way i look at look at this often and in the book i write about this is that like those experiences maybe when you're watching a hype video or you're watching your own mistakes or you're doing you know you hop in an ice bath it also creates that stressor right those are all opportunities where you get to practice turning the volume down and figuring out different strategies of, okay, mm. my brain wants to go to this like alarm freak out. How do I essentially like have a calm conversation with myself or sit with this experience instead of letting that physiological arousal go through the roof? Because what we know from a lot of different research is what tends to happen in those difficult moments is our physiological arousal just spirals. And we just spiral when mm. our physiological arousal spirals, then our inner dialogue follows and we start to ruminate and get stuck on the negative because it's it's almost like your brain says, oh, like this thing has all this emotional arousal behind it. So I have to pay attention to it. So you get stuck with that like negative thoughts of quitting and doubts and all that stuff. And then it's really hard to get out of. So the best way you can do it is like so learn to sit with it and keep that volume down. Yeah, one of the real benefits of mindfulness training is present moment awareness. It is like training yourself to know when you're chasing the rabbit down the rabbit hole. And then being able to go, okay, this is how I feel. Let's take concerted action, or as you would say, a wise, thoughtful action to course correct. So you got to get comfortable with your inner world. You 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 have interoception that you develop. Are there any more steps? Yeah, like I mean, I think right there is like it's getting comfortable being uncomfortable um, with that. And I think the other mm -hmm. part that is also maybe, you know, stepping away from yourself 
is also the environment around you is is a neglected part that can create mm. toughness. So let me put it like this. If you're in an environment where if you mess up, your coach is going to say, you're not playing next game, you're benched, you're done. If you're in an environment where if you, you screw up the presentation, your boss says, you're fired. Do you think you're going to be that tough? You're, you're not. You're, got, you're going to play out. Yeah, you're going to no. be risk averse. You're going to play out of fear. So to me, it's not just often we talk about the individual component of toughness, which I think is important, but it's also for our leaders, our coaches, how do we create the environment that allows people to take, you know, appropriate risks without defaulting towards that fear of failure? Mm. I know Mike Krzyzewski, I believe it was Mike Krzyzewski who would sometimes tell his players, mistakes are on me. Like, go play the game. The mistakes are on me. Uh, Now, you got to back that up. (laughs) You know what I'm saying with your actions. But you're right. Like, if if you're in an environment where you feel like you're you're on the chopping block, if you make a mistake, you're you're not going to be innovative. You're going to just try to do the minimal amount of work to not get fired. Um, What about, um, I believe there was uh, something in the book about trying new things or doing things that are difficult that are maybe outside yeah, of your I think scope this is really important because what what tends to happen is we default to what we're good at because we're humans we like to do things that you know we're competent at um but really the growth and the experience comes from doing things that are a little bit different and new because you gotta feel that physiological reaction a little bit stronger and it's Anytime there is, you feel that discomfort or anxiety, that's an opportunity for growth and developing this kind of mental muscle. So to me, it's how do we put people Mm -hmm. in a place where it's a newer or different environment and then give them the freedom to explore in that environment instead of, you know, you succeed or you fail. And I think that, that, uh, that quote there was great because if you can create an environment where it's like the mistakes are on me as a coach, then you're creating that environment where people are going to take risks and, and, and explore. And to me is, is how do we do that in an appropriate fashion and, and create the right bounds so that they're doing, they're taking the right risks at the right time. In the right lane. If I may add it, cause like, I'm just going to bring this up and this is probably the last thing for this one, but, like the one thing that always drove me crazy was in sports, this fascination with buds, right? Like, oh, we want to get the team d- tough. So we're going to go like do some log PT or like just stupid stuff. They would go hire these people to come in and do X, Y, Z. And I'm like, you know, you might get somebody hurt. First of all, that would be really, that would stink. And then number two, like I've rarely ever seen, usually there's a a problem when the coach is thinking that they need to go hire this group to go fix this thing. They probably like either got the wrong people there. They don't have the courage to clean up the environment. What is your thought on all that? I mean, that's, that's kind of the the quick answer, but (laughs) I think, I I think it is. I love you, Steve. Like here, here's the thing. Okay. People work hard. When the thing they were working hard at has meaning and purpose to them and allows them to get better. So if I take a distance runner and I say, hey, we're going to go to the track and I'm going to run 400 meter repeats until you guys are almost puking. Well, 
they can say, you know what, this is going to be really tough, but this relates to the race that I'm going to run, so I'm going to do it. The Navy SEALs can say, hey, we're going to go through BUDS because this relates to the environment that we're in that like gives us some feedback on how you can handle this extreme stressful situation. If you're a football team, log carries, you know, going whatever, doing crazy things, trying to mimic a, a Navy SEAL, that has no connection to the game of football. And to me, it it's like, okay, do th- if you really think, hey, I need to create quote unquote toughness, the game of football is hard. Like figure out how you can put people in situations that are relevant to the craft that they are performing and pursuing that have that allow them to get better, but also have an uncertain outcome and allow them to kind of like navigate and figure things out in that environment that means something to them. It's why I also, sorry, you're, you're going to make me go on a rant here. It's why I also hate when coaches make, you know, players run laps when for punishment or something like that, because it's the same thing. It's like, oh, you, you showed up late. You're going to go do all these laps. And it's like, great. You're making them hate physical conditioning. And it's not even anything related to their sport. And it's just dumb. So yeah, there's my rant. I love this. This is so good. I, I love the passion that you had right there. That's awesome. Um, thank you for validating my assumptions. And it's something that it's it's not going away, but um, hopefully it does because it really has no relevance um, at all. If you want to learn more about how to build toughness for yourself, get Steve's book, Do Hard Things. It's a, it's a masterful piece of work, whether you're in business, the next episode's about your kids. This is going to be something that you're going to want to get. So thank you, Steve. If you like today's episode, please take a screenshot of the podcast and share it with a friend who you think would like to learn more about developing toughness. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.